This podcast is brought to you by the Caesar Encyclopedia, which is my own weekly email newsletter. It's the place where I share all the cool things that I've learned throughout my week with my friends around the world. I share the books, podcasts, and interesting people I find that help me enjoy life more. And as I travel the world, I also share my favorite adventure spots, the restaurants that blow my mind, and how my view of the world has changed that week. The newsletter is completely free. It comes out only once a week, and it's only available for those who sign up by email. You can sign up using the link in this episode's show notes or by using the link in my Instagram bio. Let's get learning. Welcome to the Dose of Caesar, the podcast where I where I speak to world travelers to uncover how their adventures around the globe have impacted their lives. My guest today is Kaylin McGuire. I'm saying your last name right, right? Yeah, McGuire. Yeah. All right. McGuire. I say McGuire. I don't usually say the McGuire, but I say McGuire. McGuire. Okay. I don't either, know. Either, I'm one, either one. Some people like to McGuire. be very specifically, like intentional with the way that you use that C consonant. Gotcha. Well, I don't use the C consonant. So okay, Kaylin is uh is an artist practitioner who specializes in strategic fine art mur- and mur- strategic fine art mural installations, digital illustrations, conceptual art, photography, and vocal performance. In 2018, he founded Kaylin McGuire Media, where he currently serves as the chief visual officer. Kaylin has traveled all over the world to destinations including Mexico, Belize, South Africa, and China. In 2020, he earned his bachelor's degree in fine and, and studio arts from the University of Texas at Austin. I first met Kaylin when we lived and taught English in China together. I'm so excited to reconnect with the man with the golden voice, Kaylin. <laughs> Kaylin, welcome to the show. You got the golden voice. Uh, oh, <laughs> that was live. That was a nice introduction. Like, wow, I just had a conversation with, 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 a, with a brother of mine yesterday just talking about the power of introduction. Like, that was a very powerful introduction. I thank you, Caesar. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, man, I had to give you a proper intro. You're a fascinating guy. I think a lot of the people we studied abroad with are fascinating. All of us, yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I really, uh, I was just, we were just talking a little bit before we started recording about, uh, I was telling you how I can tell how intentional you are with, I I think the way you live and the way you speak and the way you choose your words. could you, I, I was going to start, let's start there. Tell me about how you became so intentional with the way you speak and uh, you write, because I, I think uh, it's very, you choose. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a beautiful topic to talk about because it actually started out bumpy, very bumpy. Um, I grew up not liking, I didn't like reading. If anything, I noticed that I was worried about how, how my mind was able to process visual and I was more in tune with just things that were visual than anything. So, but reading felt like that was just so tedious. So I just kind of, if anything, my way of communication was based off of hearing other people speak and picking and choosing certain, certain phrases or certain words that people use and like just had adapting it to me as my, as Kaylin. Um, but I would say, one for sure, Emil C. Brown. <laughs> Emil C. Brown is a, um, a videographer and photographer based out of Houston, uh, Texas. And 
he is a, a mentor to me. Um, and also in a way, like a father, like, wow, it was amazing. And I remember the time when I met him, I met him in high school where I played football. I was in vocal performance choir, uh, acapella. I was in uh, AP or pre-AP classes. And I was, I think I said football, all the same. Mm. I noticed that when I would speak to him, or he noticed when I would speak to him, I sounded like I played football only. And he would make a remark saying that he said, like, you sound like you play football a lot. And I didn't know how to necessarily take it. But at the same time, he gave me clarity. He was like, it's important for you to be intentional with the way that you use your words, for there to be a sense of clarity for anyone who is speaking to you so that they so they can understand you and that right there helps you to be effectual in your life in your journey mm. and i noticed that when he spoke to me he's one who uses words even better than i do and i love how he used words better than i do and this guy by appearance wise but you're talking about beginning the, the uh before we began recording he was talking about do you work out a lot and he was like, do you, and I was like, yeah, work out, but really it was, I told you things that, that were kind of like small actions, but they yield grand results, mm -hmm. which was paying, being intentional about the way that I eat, what I consume and simply running some miles and doing pull-ups or just doing core work, making sure that whatever I can do naturally with my regular body, I'm just being strong with that. Um, and some people may look at it as like, oh, you trying you lift weights a whole bunch of, I don't, I don't do that. So for him, he's like the same way. <laughs> but he's six, he's six, like six, three. Uh -huh. Like he's, um, he grew up in the West Indies, the St. Croix. Um, I mean, not necessarily the same thing, but I say he's, he's West Indian, but he grew up in St. Croix, but also in America, like in Houston. Gotcha. So the body frame is, very broad, strong looking, but at the same time, he's the most tenderest, gentlest person I ever met, you know? And yeah, yeah. He's very charismatically intentional and very impactful. And that right there was like, I was like speaking to myself. So like, I always did my best to listen to what he was saying or I would ask him, how can I speak better? And then he'll say, um, pay attention to what, pay attention to the writing style, the way that podcast um, interviewers were speak, how they how they speak or how they write, huh. and like NPR or in BBC or yeah, um, is make sure that you're consistently reading. And this is at during a time when I say it's a bumpy road of me trying to learn how to actually effectively communicate because it was a time when people would tell me that I speak well or I can I, my language is well, but at the same time they're People saying like, I don't understand you. And the part when, I guess the part when they said they don't understand me was, I know that I'm a very creative individual. Mm -hmm. And so the, my style and how I would speak this freely in the beginning had a certain looseness, had a certain type of rawness to it that was still eloquent, but also at the same time, like, uh, I would say like something like tenderly, tenderly beautiful, or I would say, um, roughly, uh, roughly soft, but someone wouldn't even understand what I meant by that. But I'm like, yeah. I know what I understand by that. Like, 
And that frustrated me so much to the point where I felt like, honestly, that kind of put me in places of depression, like just really trying to work on how to communicate mm. to masses. I'm like, I have to coexist with everybody. And it seems like I'm the only one who's always speaking wrongly, but at the mm. same time, people love me. So it's like, Confusing. It was a constant, it was a constant um, practice of just looking at these different sources that he would tell me or just me seeking out different ways to really hone in on how people speak. I may even practice how someone in the corporate America may speak or may, whether it be a man or a woman, whether it be white or whether it be black, or whether it, I may then figure out how, how would someone's in in the hood speak about something but he was just straightforward with it. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, and a lot of times that, that, that form of communication is overlooked as being either unintelligent or uh, unintentional, but in a lot of ways, <laughs> it's very intentional and it's more in tune than what most people may think. So yeah, all to say, I've, my communication, my language, my writing, has been a product of definitely, definitely I want to say Emil C. Brown and also just living my life in Dallas, which is country in itself. It's hood in itself. It's um, buffer zone, suburbia. Um, it's homelessness. Hmm. And if I'm one who takes in all that information, then this is the product of how I speak. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And so you miss the, this Mr. Brown. When do you meet him? How old are you when you meet him? Oh, uh, I think I was like 12, I think. Yeah. 12. Wow. I think I was 12. Okay. And so this is like a part of your like upbringing, and which was goes into one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because although we spent some time in China, I, I don't know um, about your childhood. And I was, I was going to ask you if you could kind of broadly paint a picture of the way you grew up. Okay. Um, so I grew up, I say very, what's the word for mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say this favorite. I, I feel like favorite is a, is a very, is a, is a solid adjective that I can say for my life and the way I grew up. Favorite? Very favored. Favored. Gotcha. Um, in a sense of blessed or in gotcha. other synonyms would be like when all hell breaks loose. Is this something about, about my salvation of my, my own self has been, been taken care of, whether it be by people or the powers that be, or mm. even when stuff is like happening and, and shit is breaking loose. Hold on. Mm. Can I cuss on you? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You can do whatever you want. For sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, so I would say that one for sure, that. And then secondly, I'll go into the family. My family is is, um, is a family of leaders, uh, conduits, artistic um, artists, musicians. Um, in a lot of ways, we are favorite too. However, it didn't, doesn't stop from me seeing like how rough life in the world can be. So for mm. one, like I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a household with my grandparents and my uncles and my mother. Uh, mother was just fresh out of college, like around like 20, 22, 23. So gotcha. she's living back in with her grandparents, with, with her mother and father, which are my grandparents. 
I'm growing up within them, uh, within the household, along with my two other uncles. Uh, one, one of my uncles stayed in the other, stayed in Dallas. Other one would like travel to California or Florida or Vegas, basically oh, wow. pursuing his music career, music industry. And with that said, then time goes on, my mother gets married and then gets married to a high school sweetheart. And that was good in itself, also had his rough patches, like, and not to like really speak about it like it's bad, but it's like mm-hmm. speaking about how turbulence in some ways brings about some type of ad- uh, how you adapt to circumstances that may be disfavorable in your life mm-hmm. and learn how to like make lemons lemonade yeah. out of it <laughs> yeah 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 the the rough patch was like domestic violence within uh, a portion of growing up in elementary and knowing that that took place it was a um, how can i say i could use it from a western point of view and how like western the western philosophy of western terms of domestic violence is like this outright brutality and all that. But when I think of it in a sense of just life and how you have different uh, breeds of people, whether they be a little bit more docile or whether they be a little bit more intense, I just noticed that like my, my family can be very, very gentle. And also my family knows how to get tense if they need to. Also, so I say that just like to give honor to my mother. My mother is a is an alpha woman, and I noticed that she can be gentle, but at the same time, she can be tense too. But alpha attracts alpha. So then, when you have an alpha man that she liked in high school, and then they get back together after she goes to college, he didn't go to college. Um, there is essentially friction can take place. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was younger, definitely I was scared, terrified of why it was happening. Like, why, why do, why do people fight each other? Why do people physically hit each other? That's the reason why. But a lot of, a lot of times growing up, I never really, I was actually fearful for anybody who showed animosity a little bit too quickly. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it didn't make me not still. It didn't make me back away from them it actually made me <laughs> it made me in some way look past that and just really see the heart in them. so that right there gave me the comfort of being around somebody who could be a hothead oh, wow. so that was the basis of my foundation elementary growing up so it was times like to say a police had came over one night and of course um fiasco takes place and then I remember getting it was like nighttime so I kind of woke up on my sleep and it happened kind of crying a lot of this whatever going on uh, kind of like I want to say the details mm-hmm. and then I would go to sleep and then get back ready to go to school elementary school where I would step into elementary school as Kaylin who was the artist who drew like Oh, wow. a project, you have a project. Okay, everybody. Okay, y'all got to find your people, whatever. Everybody, I want you, I want you, come on. I want you, come <laughs> And that, that was like a, a day. 
I was like, uh, I seen that day in the life that's happened on the usual, but I would say I remember having those moments at least two or three times. Mm. So, and on top of that, you're seeing that, but then you go into another environment at school and then growing up in a position where you still have this gentle sensitivity about my very gentle and sensitive, hyperly, um, even now to the point where so I'm in, in the ways I'm impact too. So I, I say that to kind of um, put the put the understanding of how, like even when I was younger as a kid, mm-hmm. I was husky, or one would say obese or fat. And gotcha. Not cool to be fat, but at the same time, at the same time, like I was feel the insecurity of that. And I'm work. I'm doing my best to really practice on just working. I remember working out a lot. Grew up. That's when my uncle's coming to play. My uncle played football uh, in high school, and then got recruited D one. Mm-hmm. That didn't necessarily go as planned. It's based off of certain uh, certain phases or or certain levels that you had opportunity to go to. But if you had nobody to kind of direct or guide or give you a sense of confidence, like everything will be all right as you go to a new environment or something that's grander like UT Austin, hmm. then you sometimes can just stay stay back in a place, stay back in, in at a place that's most familiar and it feels more comfortable and something you say with, you stick with what you know. And I noticed that when he stayed back, it was still, he was putting forth effort because my uncle's a very, very loving man. He's a 63 guy. And he's like lighter, lighter skinned or just more so redder than me. So it's just mm. like, he may look intimidating, but he's a, he's a very gentle, beautiful, you know bear-like individual, you know? And um, so at times when he would work out just to work out and uh, keep himself going or try out for like, uh, on like a, uh, a team that was in the neighborhood or within a city. I remember working out with them. And I remember having the awareness and knowledge of knowing how to be disciplined by my body. However, my body was not what it looked like that I do. So your body was not what? My body was never what it looked like I did. Oh, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So you had to discipline, but like you're, you're saying your body was out. My body didn't look didn't look like gotcha. look like I really just worked out. So then when I would go to the doctor and say, oh, you're obese, then like that stuff would hurt me. Or if I was getting picked on, which that kind of got deflected, but at the same time, it was still there like a imposter syndrome type of feel. Because mm. um, it got deflected based off of how I sung or the artwork that I did. But it oh. didn't make me not be aware of how bullying works or how if you don't look a certain way, then there's certain people that will not attract to you or give you opportunities, whether that just be within the the schoolroom of, of people who to flock to certain groups. Yeah. Uh, like this like this special floater type of individual, but at the same time like I feel connected, but also I feel fearful, but also I feel insecure. At the same time, like, I'm very confident in knowing that I can, I have a talent. 
that's most people don't even talk about or even exhibit within school or mm. from. So, and what was that talent? That talent was the talent was drawing. The talent was singing. Uh, in some ways, I'll say segue from the talent. It would just be just my my personality and how like always found time to smile yeah you got a great smile dude <laughs> a dope ass smile you got a dope ass smile i was on your website and i was like oh shit <laughs> that's a hell of a smile <laughs> thank you thank you so like i had to say like um that is that is a um kind of snapshot of my my growing up um uh yeah. to add on to it grandfather's a pastor so had the spirituality or understanding of spirituality to the extent of being being like Christ or yeah, he should the Christ. Um, that also was like just implanted mm. you know, from like a very young age or this was around. So yeah. And of course as I got older, certain things began to be pronounced on religion regarding religion, where I was like, okay, like this is this is unclear, but okay, I'm seeking for clarity. And then I eventually find clarity and I eventually began to see religion differently. Um, that even helped my, for instance, transformation with our show. A lot of that, a lot of the stories that I'm telling you are essentially on that website. Mm. And um, yeah, like, so again, my grandfather's a pastor. I was so, my grandfather passed in the country. So mind you, this kind of give you a brief snapshot of how it was when I grew up in Duncanville specifically, but Duncanville is, is upstairs to Dallas. Okay. Um, the strife amongst, amongst my, well, not strife, I want to start off with beautiful and goodness. Growing up amongst like my family, it was like, there's love is very tribe, but like, and then when it comes like mother trying to then start her, her family or tribe, then that's when, um, that's when it had strife, but that was like a mother went to school in the hood. So, mm. but however, my mother, in a way, like we, we reflect each other, like we can be as we are right now, but we can stand in Armageddon if, ne if necessary. Gotcha. You know what I mean, so, and some people that you attract to may be literally in Armageddon. <laughs> what do you mean by that? By Armageddon? Like you're at Armageddon. war with each other? I would say, I would say war, war or when it's, um, intense, intense principalities, intense ways to express your principalities of respect for yourself. And also how do you live that mm. out? So, and I was, some maybe war wasn't the best way to explain it, but everything else afterwards would be a better way to explain like the essence of of living in the hood. I didn't necessarily live in the hood, however, it didn't I was in it too. I was around it. No gotcha. people, best friends, you know, like Yeah, so yeah. I was saying that my mother in a way is she's alpha, she's gentle, but at the same time she knows <clears throat> how to get to that extent of of super protection if need, need be and i know how to do the same thing so like then going so from like country family type living and also mixture of hood slash 
my papa was a pastor in the country. So going in the country and just really understanding spirituality in, in, in a country sense. Yeah. In a very family oriented type sense. And then, um, then eventually, um, then it would be college, then going to somewhere where it was like more corporate, if anything. Yeah. How did that decision come about to go to UT Austin? Um, how that decision, it came about based off of capitalism to be straightforward with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean by I that? Needed, I needed, I needed funds. I, I needed funds to even go to, go to school. Uh-huh. Um, end up, I ended up graduating my high school in high school with, uh, at Dunkerville high school with, forgot what GPA was. It was, very, it was a high GPA, but I got a, I was like top 10%. So gotcha. I didn't make admissions to UT. Mm. And I applied for the art degree. The art degree led me to scholarship opportunities and it just was a good good foundation to like begin building with. So um Yeah, definitely. That's how I got got there. I denied Morehouse. I wanna say that. I denied Morehouse and went to UC Austin. What is Morehouse? Is that another university? It's a, a historically black college university. Gotcha. Um, in Atlanta, Georgia. And that is the college that Martin Luther King Jr. went to. Oh, and what was the, why did you, was it, be, what's up? I said, and Samuel L. Jackson and Spike Lee and also other, other great, great other people. Gotcha. But, but, but you decided to go to UT because of the scholarships, right? Because they were going to pay for it, your way? Yeah. Like to take care of really, uh, yeah. Basically, so I can financially be sustained, but also get the education. Oh, yeah. And and you come to UT. And, like, how do you decide that you want to study abroad in Beijing, China, 2017? Because you were just describing a childhood where you grew up, uh, you were kind of, you were in the country at one point. And now yeah. you're going to go all across the world. Did you, but you had influences. You, earlier, you saw some of your family members travel. Right. So, this is kind of clarify. I, I can say I did grow up in the country, but it wasn't. My house wasn't in the country. It was in like Duncanville, DeSoto, Cedar Hill. Gotcha, gotcha. That area. Yeah. Um, but as far as the traveling part, which my family, my family didn't do too much traveling. Uh, mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to just like that that inner drive that's within you as a child, and you for some reason that's just a dream of yours that you have to fulfill or you know, this is something that's for you. Um, I remember having my dreams of wanting to be a renowned artist around the world. That was one. And two was to travel the world. <laughs> that's it. As a kid, as a kid, you wanted to travel the world? Yeah. So that was, that was wow. it. So, and, but the thing is, I was around, it's like the people I was around, was like older people. Yeah. So, and I saw how older people were managing the, the money or how they, made a living for themselves. So I'm thinking in my head that only way I can then travel the world is I have to then be like 40 or 50 like them. Yeah. Do that. So that's where my mind was also. Like I knew that I thought differently, but at the same time, like it was a, a older type of mindset of, it was older, but at the same time, like there was more that I could have there's, there's more that I was going to then literally walk into. I didn't know how I was going to walk into traveling the world. And it so happened that 
I hear Dr. Moore talking about going to China. First of all, I love Dr. Moore's energy. I was like, yeah, his energy is literally how I grew up. <laughs> it is like how I grew up essentially. So like all that, like from the 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 confidence in his voice, that almost sounds like he's roaring, roaring. Yeah. The intelligence, the like being around like he can be in in, in Arbigan if he needs to be. Mm. To definitely like speak speak well or like to the to foster students to to do do well, XYZ like all that comes from like a, a two-parent household. Um may have probably not have been the best, but still like did his best with that. And so this is energy right off the bat. I was in sync with that. I was like, he's my morehouse. If anything, I'm fine with not going to Morehouse. Oh, wow. So when he then spoke about going to China, it is dawn. I'm like, well, I did say I want to go travel the world when I was younger. Like I said this elementary during a time when it was fiasco taking place. So that opportunity presented itself. I was like, cool. I didn't I didn't think about it too much longer. I, it wasn't no, I didn't have no financial woes or how I can't make it fine. None of that. Because you already told me that. He was already <laughs> telling me that if you want to go somewhere, you basically have your ticket to do that by the way that you present the opportunity to someone else who may want to bless you or help you out, or even just you, your own work ethic to even pay for your own tickets or whatever it is that you may have to do for to get over there. That sold me. So I wasn't worried about kind wow. of the time of like, even when there can be people who are literally born in chaos and they kind of are of chaos, for me, I can still be around them and still have a, a, a level of peace and love. So it's like, I don't necessarily think about all that extra stuff. Like I can, I do. But at the, at the same time, like, uh, it's whatever. Like, it's, I know this, I know that this is an opportunity where it can still be fulfilled or love can definitely still be experienced here. And so moments of like, from you going to US, never travel out the country and like going to China for the first time, which is like a ultimate culture shock. Yeah. Surprisingly, <laughs> it wasn't a culture shock to me. Oh wow! You felt right into it, I and felt uh, wow! And who told you that 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 one line that you were saying that you can make it happen? Um, no, we just want to make it happen as far as going there. Yeah, you were saying like, uh, or was it just you were talking about how like the financial thing was never a problem yeah, because yeah, the yeah that that part when he he spoke about you talking you know, about Doctor Moore? Yeah, his preface. Yeah, his gotcha. preface. He began talking about traveling abroad he's like he said now if y'all thinking about money and y'all think that money will be an issue like here's the things that you can do and it's going to be definitely covered like you don't even have to worry about that as soon as he said that like that mm. i was like cool i don't have to worry about that but also at the same time i know money powers powers a lot of us to do things Money is a tool, so it, it makes us do certain things in order to get other resources. However, I'm like, I have confidence that I'm like, I'm also walking into another situation where I just got a, a degree for, I just got a degree for artwork at a university at a predominantly white institution that has, so I think the second largest fund institution mm. in the country or in the nation. Um, both are the same. 
But all that to say, I'm like, cool, let's get it. So when I yeah. went, it was no culture shock. It was actually peace. I actually experienced culture shock when I came back. Whoa. Why, what, why, why, what was the culture shock when you came back? Um, I, I always felt, <clears throat> I felt that people were moving backwards, like people's actions, decision-making, um, people's intent, um, the way that food was, the way that people exercised, the way that um, people care for one another. Hmm. In America, it was like, it was so backwards that at times it was overwhelming for me <laughs> to be back. And I remember checking myself into a therapist and I didn't know that my therapist had said on my, my paper that I was, um, as I was talking to them and telling them about just my life experiences or um, traveling, I later learned about like two, two years later that the therapist said that I had an adjustment disorder. Oh. Like adjustment disorder. What? What is that? Do you, you have a hard time adjusting? Oh no, Caitlin's gone. Kaylin's gone. Well, this is a short intermission, and we will be right back whenever we reconnect with Kaylin. Damn. All right. Um, we were talking about. Oh, you were. We were talking about how they told you uh, that you were adjusting. You needed a. You had adjusting disorder. Right. And I was telling you. Right to my shades back on. <laughs> anyway, I was telling them. Um, they told me I had adjustment disorder and I was like, that don't seem right. But at the same time, like fed into it also a little bit. I thought someone like I was an issue versus everything around me that I was experiencing was the issue. Um, and later, later I talked to another therapist that said, oh, no, nah, it was actually a, a teacher that said that don't internalize it as being your issue, but maybe everything around you is actually really backwards and you haven't believed that. And when she said that, I was like, it gave me, it empowered me, it gave me <clears throat> power back to me. It's like, okay, you're well, it's just, you're dealing with the circumstances of what may be around or what, what is around in America. So mm. I was talking about things being backwards from decision-making, expression, um, the way that people took care of each other, how people uh, did not take care of each other, like the way that even certain certain business entities operate or... Uh, Did you talk about a little bit about how you saw people would take care of each other or not take care of each other in China? Right, so I saw, I saw people, I saw more people take care of each other, but almost in this like, in this like very implicit, implicit, we're all, we all are paying attention to each other. Like we're almost as one type of feeling. Mm. And it wasn't like everybody was like, hey, yeah. like that, but it was more, I just noticed that it was a lot of, I, even to, to the point, let's say, for instance, um, FDA, mm -hmm. FDA in uh, the Department of Agriculture and how they will put something on the shelf or something that is like 
as far as bad to consume. Um, and we already talked about the building blocks of, of life. It's like really definitely how are you treating the way that you eat or what you put in your mouth. So over here, it's like some things can go unregulated. And it's like you good. Sorry. You good. No. So that's like over in America and people are eating and then people have a high blood pressure. People get cancer left and right. People are dying out of the blue based on something that they ate or whatever. Or some people may have diabetes or glaucoma get their foot chopped off. Which those last three options I have in my family. So wow. to then go to China and then see how one, people made food for one another. Mm-hmm. One time I had the same comments and more implicit than it being like a hunky door. Like, hell right. But everybody made, everybody was like service and put position themselves to service each other, even down to the point of food. And knows that food tasted very, very good. And I noticed that even the older people, they were walking so much and active, also eating food. And it's like, and also the younger people in that same in that same position are eating just like them. So it's like I'm seeing how everybody implicitly are just like really taking care of each other yeah. in that context. And I remember eating some food. <laughs> this may be off topic, but I remember eating. Are you some food. good? This this vegetable and rice tastes very savory. It's good. I'm like, how is like how is this going to give you blood? How blood pressure and like. Cause you have health problems, and I'm like, I'm seeing somebody who's just 75, damn, they're running and smoking a smoking a cigarette. 75 year old in in, in in China. I'm like, even even with the cigarette part, which is not even necessarily all that good for you, it's not like even to that point. The extent, I'm like, they still have a level of like, think there's some things that are just definitely in order. Yeah, and I come back and. When I begin eating like that, everybody like, so what's wrong with you? Like, you you tripping like, I'm like, honestly, I'm not. Like, <laughs> I just literally walked up the Great Wall of China who about 76 years old. He was smoking a cigarette, tobacco, whatever it had in And he was doing it effortlessly. And he was guiding a whole bunch of American kids, Black, Latino, <laughs> To China, like up on the China, on the, the the Great Wall of China, on the back way, not on the tourist way, but on the back way that kind of like is treachery a little bit. Yeah, and he's doing it with ease. Everybody else behind is puffing and puffing. I was literally right behind the guy. Yeah. So I actually, when I tell you, I felt at peace. I was in tune, even to the point where I was walking. I was walking with the level of ease, like he was walking. I was just like, but I was just like noticing that everybody around, like, <sighs> or like. So when I go back to America, when I'm trying to do natural things like I was doing with just the the the, the brother who the 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 gentleman who was like um, facilitating everybody up the walk break wall in China is like I was I guess I was the one who had the adjustment disorder in America because I'm like oh best to do I'm I'm really doing my best to have that same energy, right? That's it. That's what it is. Yeah. Keep that same energy when I went to America and I'm giving, I'm getting overwhelmed that 
everybody around me is not is not operating in that fashion, nor is everybody like finding the the beauty of like oh learning how somebody has done something intentionally that's actually even probably better than what you usually do as far as your own habits, and then altering. I'm the person where it's like I see something that works better. I then I take on the adaptation quickly. Yeah. Then I'm when I'm living throughout UT or in America, and I may get depressed or I may feel like, okay, this is just a lot that's going on. I'm the one who has the, 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 the adjustment disorder. It sounds like you found like a part of yourself over there that wasn't, yeah, like that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't normal here. But the beauty of travel is that you get to see other normals and you get to realize right. that you, it's all kind of made up and you can right. kind of choose your own normal, the one that works for you. Right. We're talking about intentional living. That, that that's awesome that you pick that up. But it's um, it's hard for other people who haven't traveled the world to understand what you're doing. Right, right, right. And that is something that I ain't gonna. Lie, I think you said that, and a therapist didn't even say that. Say that statement. It'd be quite mm. funny. That statement, which actually resonates more and that will take that into consideration when I'm talking to somebody else, even like talking about traveling. But a therapist didn't even say that, which just said. So in a lot of ways, it's like some events in your life have to just kind of play out. You have to go through the bumps of it and then get to that place of acceptance and then continue moving forward. And then you're able to then talk about the story and then there could be like this Eureka here's the lesson type of moment you know yeah yeah and that's and that was one aspect of time for me but for the most part going to travel travel in china rock reason why i said i didn't have no uh culture shock because i really felt in tune with just like one being free i think it was the level of being free that i, I loved experiencing while i was in china mm. Um, when it came to, when it came to like the impulse, the psychological impulse of like buying things for a inexpensive price versus working so hard in yeah. America, then uh, <laughs> the anticipation that you pay your money for it and then you get what you want. But to know that a lot of this stuff was just so easily accessible in China, knowing that I came with American money, but the, the dollar value of in China, which is yen, it's mm. not the same. It's actually less. And you can literally get everything that you probably your mind or heart, your thoughts on and ambitions wanted. And then you're stuck in a position where it's like, whoo, okay. Like what else is there to do or what else is there to be to, um, to practice this the system of gratification within your own psychology. Like you're, you're talking about once you get everything that you want, what is what it, what is after that, right? Let's right. say you have all the material things. Right, right. So I, I experienced that feeling while I was in China too. I brought a, a, a good amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good amount of money that I was, like, I was supposed to just last me for the whole 30 days there. And... I ended up going to a market and I saw all the things that, like for instance, like if it was a, a Jordan shoe, or whatever, I'm like, I see the Jordan shoe, I'm like replicas look like replicas. Or 
replicas can look like the actual thing, but in, in a lot of ways, it was the actual thing, the same material. Or it was like a purge. Like I saw a purge that I saw that a mother probably would like want that would be super expensive in America, but I saw it for none, none more than like 20, 20 bucks, you know, like, yeah, like that. You're like, ah, oh, <laughs> this is your first time really just able to splurge on the things that you materially want for yourself. And then I see that like you can get it little to no type of money at all. Mm-hmm. You get it, but you spend your money, but you're like, I still have more life to live. So then now, it's like once you, but like once you go over or go get through that psychological hump of like material things, the buying stuff, like now you have to really for yourself begin to find more appreciation in other things beyond the material. I've never been really so much of a material type of guy in the first place, but there's always been times when I'm saving for this. But when I use that bit of myself already within like, let's say, uh, a week and a half. <laughs> I'm like, I got three more. I got three more weeks. <laughs> I got three more weeks. Or, uh, I got two more weeks and a half left. I have two more weeks and a half left, and it just kind of taught me a lot. Like I, it was certain certain things I learned as far as like just really the psychology of wanting and buying a whole bunch of tier things like. Once you get that, I was next. How, how do you then still find sustainable, uh, find peace or joy or contentment as you experience the journey? Then? And then that's when you transition going to the different markets to eat food or going on getting lost in Beijing. Your audio is a little uh, muffled. Yeah, there you oh, go. Can you? Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Okay. You're good now. I think you were blocking the, the mic. Okay, gotcha. I was saying that. After then you get them after you're getting the material things, like you go into another mind frame of 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 enjoying or experiencing Beijing at its like rawest form. Like mm. looking at looking at how they trees grow, or seeing how they trees reflect within the sun. You're seeing how what do people casually do when it comes to their working, <laughs> they're working out. When I was going to the park, I saw people, saw older, older and like youth and seasoned adults, and just children. They not necessarily have been like working out, but they were doing more therapeutic practitionerships, practitioner. They were practicing. There we go. Yeah, practicing like Tai Chi or some type of. Yeah, I remember that. I don't want to say karate. Like, yeah, like some sort of like uh i think it was tai chi right meditative chi, like, like yeah, movement yeah, yeah practicing practicing that in the in the daytime like on the, on the evening i'm like oh my gosh like, it feels like there's like a whole like everybody's on some type of wavelength of togetherness like that's what i saw spiritually i was like everybody's on a wavelength of like on this same wave of like we all we ain't looking perfect, but we're doing something that like all of us are continually doing. And it was mm. not just for me, in my own eyes, it wasn't just for me 
this district does this does this type of stuff or the other district does this does this does something different. It's like when I went to many different districts, because I remember we went to like how many districts? Like on the map it was like 10, 10 plus districts. I don't remember in Beijing or around the country. In Beijing. I don't remember to be honest, but we we were all over the place. Right. So when we was there, for me, I just noticed that it was a level of of harmony that I noticed in each district that we went to that could be traced to the district that I just like once left. Mm. That's what I mean by like there's this level of togetherness where I felt in tune. Going to like do like different uh, adventure trips, or we were like riding our bikes around the city, or doing our hiking, or going to like a uh, what's it called, like some type of pearl pearl market. Oh yeah, the pearl markets, like the markets where there's all the counterfeit goods, right? Yeah. <laughs> here. Once you get all the stuff from, uh, once you get everything that you probably desire at pearl market, I. <laughs> you're still a human being you still have more to learn you still have more to like soak in so I just say in itself China was just or even getting lost in China and find my, finding my way back to, to the dorm that right there was also an experience in itself too excuse me you're good <laughs> you're good there's a, a fire truck a fire truck passing by Stand by. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think that's you know, like that's that's how I would I would just kind of describe my time being in, in China. So coming back, I, it's another thing. I noticed that my mind. I'm, a, I'm a, I don't know if I'm saying it. It's that serious. <laughs> you're good. You're good. No, no worries. We can edit it out. Yeah, like when my mind was like processing a lot of stuff out there was I'm have a type of mind where I remember some things like like when I was two years old and whoa things of life, right? So <laughs> that's another one. It's another it's another one. There's oh, three. <laughs> I mean three. All right. So I remember that type of stuff. And like <laughs> I remember things from like two years old up until like now, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm very grateful for. Thank God. Um, so when I was in China, everything I already knew that were habits, were culture uh, that people did, how people chose to make decisions, or how people emotionally thought about certain things, or felt, or how economy made made you have to be a certain way, uh, capitalism, all that. Even now it's like the country essence of like knowing how to have a country etiquette about yourself or yeah. how you deal with people, all that. In America, I was aware of that. So when I had that in my mind going to China, what happened was like my mind literally did a T-chart. A T-chart? I did a T-chart of my experience in China. Oh, wow. So you know how you go have a make make a T chart in elementary, and one side you're you're saying you're writing either the similarities or the differences or comparisons or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
of like an apple and an orange. Uh huh. Yeah. Apple is real sweet. Ooh, orange real sweet. All right, but it's not as citrusy. The apple is that citrusy. Yeah. 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 All the all the the uh, the apple is actually sweeter, so it's not citrusy. And then it's, the citrusy is an orange. I was doing that in my head while I was in China. So I was like, oh, this is better. Oh, oh, this is, oh. So I, I was, that even made it, made me feel more in tune with like what I was experiencing in China. Mm. So when I come back, that's what I have as far as the new mentality. Wow, dude. It's a, it's a, it like, um, China, man, was such a, it's, it's so different in, in a lot of, uh, a lot of good ways because it's like uh it's such a contrast to the united states and i can see how like yeah it it really changed you uh, but there's this you know i was interviewing doc dr aileen bumpus and i uh i don't know how this came up but i think it was like she, we talked about pictures and i asked her if she had a favorite picture and she said yes and she pulls out um a picture that i don't know if you took but you definitely painted it afterwards uh, <laughs> you know and uh and she pulls it out and she shows it to me on the zoom call as i'm we're talking that's love <laughs> and um it's this it's this picture of um like a, a black ut student's arm about mm. to touch um the the hand or the arm of a of a curious little asian girl <laughs> and yeah. this is yeah. this is uh something that and an, a scene that you saw in was it tiananmen square I think so. I think so. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the, the actual name for it, but I'm going to go ahead and have the confidence that you're talking about the right area. I, it was in that, that space where we went to the park and you saw people yeah. practicing Tai Chi or gotcha. martial arts. Yeah. Well, it was, it was definitely in China. So in China, yeah. Um, what, and I wanted to ask you, cause I was so curious and I know that I came out of nowhere with this, but I really wanted to ask you, what does that painting mean to you? What does that, when, when you look at that painting, what is the symbolism of it or what is it saying? Um, the symbol of, symbolism, symbolism of that is, the name of it is called We're, We Are One. And like you said, America and China have, have, a, have an extreme contrast or it may, just not, be, may not be extreme. It's just as yeah. And I was thinking about there's a part there's a part of me. Oh my God, chills! I'm gonna say the right thing. Thank you, Spirit. Black men, mm-hmm. black men and gentleness, loving, crying. I'm feeling my eyes tear. This, this is what I'm supposed to say. The black men and their gentleness, their love, and knowing how. At the totem, at the lowest of totem pole of America, we have it is a, a black family, which has mm. has been stripped and dismantled, and, and and even there's been psychological marketing to strip the the importance of or the value of a, of a black man or a black woman or both of them together. Period. And almost making it seem as though like black men, you just gonna talk about black men, black men are so rageful over predators. And to be honest with you, it was actually there was uh, another 
it was another, it was a hand of another uh, student who was Latino. Mm. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to say his name, but like, I, I don't, as far as disclosure, but mm. I could tell you later, but it was Latino hand. But in my head, I was like, I need to make this a black hand. Uh, the best oh, way wow. I can express this because this will definitely be a powerful picture to me and also whoever can see this. So I'm putting this, putting the gentleness and the strength of this black man's hand connecting with this young child who's an Asian curious little girl with glasses and yeah. like flower glasses. And I started thinking about the Asian girl. I'm like, Asian girl, she's closer to like more of a peach complexion. Um, someone wanted to be funny, they'd be like, oh, she's white. But more peach complexion, lighter skin, she's small. Yeah, she's tiny. Real small, and she is full of life and just color. Also, knowing that yes, there was a there was a curiosity of like black people coming to China, like people seeing uh, brown skin or red skin or whatever, uh, uh, <laughs> Morano type of skin color, like mm. that. In a lot of ways, for the Asians that were around there, they would be curious about. I want to touch people's hair or take pictures X, Y, Z. But some people can take that as like, "Are you doing?" Like, some people can take that as like, they can take that wrong. And then knowing that I noticed when people were taking it wrong, where people were pictures taken, you know, pictures taken with somebody who black, but the black person was like, "I don't like that." Girls who may have had their hair touched by somebody who's Asian, you know, like that. Or out of this place of curiosity and like different ways to look at it. However, there's a part of me where I was like, still, there's this genuine, there's this genuine curiosity that actually comes from a posture of love that just wants to connect, period. I see that. Even if y'all don't talk about it, y'all y'all express about that. Y'all have had y'all's China experience. I may express about the negativity about it, but I see something that should should be on a platform and should be recognized. So I'm looking at this child, and also in a time where kids and stuff are being abducted, being abducted, and then so it's like me and my efforts to really galvanize the, the beauty and the, the gentleness of a, a black man's hand, like the sacredness of a, a black man's presence, and connecting it with the, the small curiosity and daintiness of, a, of an mm. Asian little girl. Like there's nothing with great intention, like there's nothing wrong with the connection. And that right there for me was my opportunity to show people peace can literally exist. <laughs> A love can literally exist. And whatever that our minds see on media that make us think that I can't really mess with that. I'm like, you can't mess with that image. I'm like, I'm actually going against that. Like, yes, you, you really can really see that in real life. And then 
definitely have good intentions with that image. Hmm. Like it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's not about no child adopting. It's not about no black man. It's so rude that shouldn't even be connecting with a child versus a girl. Like, you know. And it literally, I'm just that work is my heart in visual form. The work is in in your heart. You said. I said the work is my my heart in visual form. Oh, that's amazing, man. And and so the, the little bit about your work now. You've got Kaylin McGuire Media. Right. What is the mission with Kaylin McGuire Media? Because you've had all these world experiences. You even went to South Africa after China. You spent a month there. And um, how much time did you spend in Mexico and uh, Belize? Mexico, Belize. Um, I'll say Mexico was like two days. Uh-huh. Based off of uh, like staying at the airport, but also like just kind of traveling around. But Surprisingly, you can do a lot of things in two days. Like going to Belize, we had to one one day in Mexico, leaving from Belize, and then having to get on the connecting flight in Mexico. We stayed there. Gotcha. Travel, so. And did you did you also go to Dubai? Dubai, yeah, I was like for like seven hours, so I visited like a uh, Gotcha. Drove in like a taxi um, to the mall <laughs> and then back to the airport. But like that right there was a cool experience. It's just like. As I go into a a grander way, have you ever been to uh, Gallery Mall or like North Park Mall in Dallas? No, I have not. I have not been to Dallas a lot. It was okay. So if you were to look it up on Google, Gallery Mall in Dallas or North Park uh-huh. Mall in Dallas, I would say that the mall in Dubai was just extremely way better than the Gallery. Oh, <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. They have too many stores in the mall, <laughs> especially the mall I went to, which I think was the largest mall in Dubai, or it may be the word I don't know. But that mall had a lot of everything. I'm talking about even luxury items, which is it was wealthy with <laughs> luxury items. Yeah, all the same. Um, going back to South Africa, South no South Africa police. Belize was, I think, two weeks. And that was a, a, a great experience, too, in itself. Like, speaking to students who were in, I think they were in high school, and talking to them about this, uh, the importance of identity and going after your passions and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, knowing that your, your gifts will make room for you and also continue to be like t- telling telling the student like or sharing with the student more so and that it's important to just always consistently learn learn anything and everything that you can and don't be afraid to move forward with an idea that can grant you other better opportunities like whether it be for college or going to study abroad or where they get you into the job or career that you always wanted. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, that was like the typical, the, the typical conversation we had, and also doing a mural, please. Which, oh wow, you did a mural. That's yeah, awesome. uh, which I facilitated uh, my team of workers. <laughs> so like that was um, that was out of Chase Moore, uh, Michael Carroll. 
uh, Lauren as uh, Chase's cousin, um, uh, Gilbert cut Kelvin, cut mm. um, and I think myself and God's gave directive, and we all created a, a logo for the uh, for the Boys and Girls Club that was in Belize City. So yeah, executed that. That was cool, um, and then. Other time in Belize was went to this great chicken and rice spot where everybody's just like, ah, hey, I want this, I want this, and you have you have some uh, Asian young ladies who are in the in the shack. They're like hearing everybody's order and they're preparing it and like getting the money and like going to the next person. I'm like, how are y'all doing this? And everybody's like, I want this, I want this, and like it's. It's almost like unorthodox in how they were serving food, but that food was super, super good. Um, probably not the best one, but at the same time, it was still just super good. Um, and going to, I think we went to some Maya, Maya um, pyramids. Uh, the Mayan pyramids? I think we went to some Mayan or Aztec type of pyramids that was in Belize. Yeah and enjoyed that like we were we was walking up the pyramids and eating sugar cane so like and just kind of looking at the view and hearing what a tour guide may have to say about it or otherwise we, or other than that we would just take pictures and just huh. take pictures together and like just enjoy that we're all in in Belize like really enjoying life yeah and these, these like, uh, with all these world experiences, what is like your intention with uh, Kaylin McGuire Media? Thank you for bringing it back. Are you good? It is to, I, the intentions is honestly to service people, service organizations, service businesses who have a story to tell. And if anything, I'm helping out with the media, media portion of their story that they're telling, mm. or I'm doing some type of collaborative work with that organization, which the result is still telling their story, or it may be telling their story and also telling my story at the same time, like we are right now. Gotcha. Interview. So essentially, I noticed that media, uh, which oftentimes those who are creative are behind media. And we have those who are intentional who are behind media. Now, but you can be intentional all day. However, you could be things that, that differentiates what's, what type of intentionality is, whether you're doing something with benevolent intention or you're doing something with beneficent intention. I'm on the end of benevolent. I'm trying to do something with benevolent intention with my media. I know that me as a creative, as one who is a multifaceted person, which say people will say artists i know that i'm impressionable on the bond of people mm. i know that the work that i do is impressionable it, it, it promotes thought it promotes solution and also it promotes a reinforcement of goodness within the world or reinforcement of like a story within the world so in all, I was like, 
I need to learn as much as I can about media, all those different facets. And yes, pair it up with what I already knew intuitively about how I chose to express myself through many different forms of media. And also just put it together as a, as a as an entity that I can definitely call as my baby. Yeah, yeah. Something that's yours. And grow it, yeah. And grow it in a way where it's giving life, not taking life. Gotcha, man. Yeah, it's a, well, that's amazing, man. And you're doing it. You're doing it. I, I saw that um that story that you posted, I think, on your Instagram of like uh where you put the a big mural on top of the UT library or like, yeah yeah <laughs> I was like it took me a second I was like what that's there <laughs> I was like oh no no it's- not there yet <laughs> but um, definitely like that's this it's, it's some things working where like I wouldn't be surprised when I'll get the approval for it. Um, yeah and and I could see how your intention would like uh, your intention is to like uh, add more to a space, a city, add more like um, liveliness. I think your art would add more like liveliness. It's, it's what happened. I mean, it's what I see around Austin that um, I've spoken to some um, graffiti artists uh, here in Austin and it really adds, you know, like with the person's story, you know, cause like you said, you, 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 your art comes from your heart. it adds more heart to the city and uh i i man i'm excited to to get to see your art around around the country or around the world you know that that hopefully i could go see your mural that you did in belize because i've never been to belize but i heard they got really good chocolate you know what i don't know if i ever eat chocolate in belize but since you said that when i go to belize again yeah i had to get some chocolate yeah, dude, get yourself some chocolate and uh, just thank you for the, the compliment. Though. Definitely, like, yeah, man. We want to whatever city or space that I'm in. I want to definitely highlight on this heart here, regardless of what the environment may look like. Because as soon as you're able to then put some type of light in an environment, that right there brings about clarity on other things that you may have not ever seen or even took consideration of probably externally and also internally yourself. Gotcha, man. Um, I was going to ask you, you know, I know we've been, we've gone over time here, but um, I will, I wanted to ask you one more question um, because you're so well-traveled and you know, there's going to be all these kids who are going to, who might identify with uh, parts of your stories. Um, And I wanted to ask you what, if they, if they have the opportunity to travel abroad, whether it's through a study abroad or just they, you know, they just go, they're going abroad for the first time and they're about to get on their plane. What message would you give them mm-hmm. to all the people who are about to step on a, a plane to go abroad for the first time? Ooh, man. Oh, man. I just have to give it from my perspective, like, be open. Be open to the experience. That's one. Two. Hold up. Yeah. I open to the experience to enjoy yourself. One. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another one. Definitely. Two. And then three. 
like allow for your like give yourself give yourself the experience give yourself the the ability to discover mm. and wow i'm actually tapping back into an essay in my head right now that i wrote about the importance of just like discovery and and just applying yourself like the best thing you can do for yourself in your journey in your life is to constantly have your moments of discovery and also don't be scared to apply what you now know in your everyday there's times when going back to belize this is an example when i was in belize at night time i remember we were going to like a convenience store but we had a go had a car uh, we had a car golf cart driving around me chasing uh, michael and we are here in the shore like we, we we're like kind of like driving in the midst of like a like a like a dirty slash muddy but it's fine it's like a nice damp type of road and you see some people are still up some people are not up um but usually some people say that a lot of things happen at, at badly at, at times of nighttime which a lot of th- a lot of bad things happen at night is what they were saying yeah. night yeah right but at the same time it was a certain it was peace that was being experienced and it was joy that was being experienced and also just like this this feeling of being serene even though that people usually would then go to work the next day and believe all i had to say i was like i want to experience that in america more than just being having to wait for vacations so as I took in all that moment, that present moment, I was feeling emotionally. I was discovering that, like, ain't nothing bad like driving at nighttime. Wait, hold up. Your audio uh, cut off. I said, like, there's nothing wrong with, like, traveling at nighttime and having, like, a little cruising session. Yeah. Especially with those that you love. And, like, whether you be by yourself, like, pay attention to the nature, like, all that. Like, hmm. you just as you're taking in that beauty and you know that people, we have like, we all knew that we had to do something in the morning. It's like, we did not prevent ourselves the, we did not restrict ourselves with the opportunity to really enjoy the moment and soaking in that moment at nighttime. And I know that one thing in being in America or that I experienced was I only gave myself a lot of feeling to feel like that like more like on like a, on the beginning of like a Saturday and then Sunday and then have to go into like lock-in mode on Monday through, through Friday, which like I'm really just like really enjoying moments all the time. Mm. And so I would say that my transition when I had that moment, I was like, I told myself I'm experiencing this right here in Belize. I'm definitely going to and experiences more and more when I get to America. And I begin to apply the mindset or every times I'm in the day, probably on a, on a Tuesday or whatever, I got work to do or whatever. But same time, I'm like, I'm not about to restrict myself of the pleasure of enjoying my day and actually going to tune. I tapped into the mindset as if I was in Belize. And literally, I began practicing that more and more Whereas now, like I have that feeling, 
and I'm doing my work for having this interview because I actually paused from putting up a speed bag, which I do some handiwork when mm. people leave me. So it's knowing that I have work today, I'm still in this flow of like, I'm gonna get this speed back up, do a great, excellent job and execute that. But also at the same time, I feel relaxed and serene with you as I'm talking with you. And then I got, I'm gonna go cruising to the house right after this, you know? So all back to what I would say to the, the one who is traveling to abroad, I would say, really take, be open to taking in your experience, to enjoy your experience, and three, allow for your discoveries to take place and apply what you now know when you've experienced a, uh, a way of life mm. that never moved that existed. Yeah. I had to apply when you're going and coming back to your house. That's the reason why this is a blessing. Like, that's one of the reasons why you talk about the heart. I'm really seeing more and more of that. Feel more confident to want to put forth my heart into into the city, whether it be in a boring office space or whether it be on a uh, not so kept up environment. I'm gonna still put my intentionality there because. That right there is, is going to still remain consistent. Wow, man. How that begins to permeate change or promotion or safety or or better community upkeep within the environment. That's get it. I want that shit. I want that. If it doesn't happen. That's fine. I'm still being a light in what I was designed to do. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I love this idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love this idea of like you know adopting what you find useful abroad, and um, you know, yeah, I like how you bring it. How you you brought that moment from Belize to, uh, and you use it now as like a an anchor to get more present, be in the moment, enjoy it instead of thinking what's next. And that's a, I think that's a that that's brought more peace in my life when I've done that. You know, things I when like I, I like it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, uh, thank you so much, bro. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for uh, talking to me and telling me your story and telling me how uh, travel has changed your life. If uh, people want to reach out to you, they can uh, go to Kaylin McGuire, McGuire media. No, Kaylin McGuire.com. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, your socials? What are your socials? Social media is Kevin McGuire. That is it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, is there any other parting thoughts that you have or things you wanted to say before we get off? Cool. Yeah, I think I express express all I could express and, and give you what I can give you. Hell yeah, man! Well, thank you so much, and to everyone listening, um, we'll talk to you next time. Hey there! If you enjoyed this episode, well. Green light, 
New episodes of The Dose of Caesar come out every week, so make sure to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. If you feel that more people should listen to this podcast and share this episode with your tribe. If you want to connect with me, or if you just want some extra doses of Cesar, of Caesar, of Cesarin Bingui, then you can sign up for my free weekly email newsletter called The Caesar Encyclopedia, where I share what I learn every week. Or you can reach out to me on Instagram at the dose of Caesar. We'll see you next time.